As 2019 ends and 2020 begins, Sprott Money invites you to kick off 2020 in style for those of you planning to attend the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference on January 19th and 20th. Join us for a warm-up event, an evening of hors d'oeuvres, cocktails, and networking with First Majestic Silver Corp on Saturday, January 18th at the Cactus Club in Vancouver. If you're interested in attending, please let us know by emailing us at submissions at SprottMoney.com. More details can be found on the SprottMoney.com website. And those attending the kickoff party will also enjoy free admission to the conference. We hope to see you there. You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Happy New Year from everyone at SprottMoney.com and Sprott Money News. It is Friday, January the 3rd, 2020, and this is your first weekly wrap-up of the new year. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us today from a land far, far away is Eric Sprott. Eric, greetings and Happy New Year. Hey, Craig, happy to be here. I'm uh, basically at Land's End in the southern part of Argentina. I'm going to try to speak a little louder so you can hear me here. Uh, But, you know, when you said Happy New Year, I thought, you know what? We're having a Happy New Year. And maybe it'll be reminiscent of some other New Year's where we break into the open here and big, big things happen. So uh, it's kind of looking that way right now. Great year-end rally since the last time we spoke two weeks ago. Uh, things have progressed about how we we, we uh, discussed during our Ask the Experts segment last month. Both of those uh, segments, both the gold and silver segment, are now available at SprottMoney.com if you want to hear what Eric thinks about a whole bunch of gold miners and silver miners. You can find that on the Ask the Expert tab at SprottMoney.com. And I want to let everybody know our Ask the Experts uh, segment for January will include a guest of Gerald Salenti. Most people know who Gerald Salenti is. He's the founder, director of Trends Research Institute and the publisher of the Trends Journal. He's got a 40-year track record of identifying, tracking, and forecasting trends, and he's world-renowned as today's number one trend forecaster. Ask Yegman is your chance to ask, ask expert, is your chance to ask questions of the guest. If you have some questions for Gerald Salente, please email them to us at submissions at SprottMoney.com. Of course, you can tweet them at SprottMoney as well using the hashtag AskTheExpert. Uh, Eric, there's a number of things to discuss, but since it has been two weeks since we spoke, let's get caught up first. What have you seen in the pricing of the metals and of the miners since we last spoke on December the 20th? Well, we've had just a great end of year. In fact, uh, the, uh, the GDX ended up 40% for the year, beat all other assets. GDXJ up 39. Uh, gold, I think, was up 18. I think silver is up 12. We had a tremendous end-of-year rally. And as I looked at what transpired in those few days leading up to year-end, every day you'd see this huge amount of open interest increase uh, with undoubtedly the commercial shorter adding massively to their position. So much so that we're almost up to 800,000 open interest from like just to probably the last time we spoke with just, just over 700. Yeah. So they've sold like 15, had to sell $15 billion worth of gold to uh, calm the otherwise big increase that was happening in gold. And I looked at those last sort of five days of trading, 
the the the, the, uh, the trading was the open interest was going up by like you know five to fifteen or fourteen thousand contracts uh, per day. And I think, man, and I guess these guys are trying to keep it down for year end so they don't have to book any losses. Uh, they are banks, you know, and you got to mark to market. I presume you have to mark to market. There are different rules for banks these days. Um, but nonetheless, I'm sure for their bonuses, even though they may not report to us as mark to market for bonuses, believe me, it'll be mark to market. Um, so that you could see that they were obviously lean on the precious metals going into year end. So it was very instructive to watch the first day, which we now saw. And in the first day, it went up less than a thousand contracts because I think they packed it in for the year. And of course, lo and behold, the price of gold goes up $11. And here we are today with gold up 21 or 22 uh, for geopolitical reasons that we'll talk about. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, we'll only find out late uh, tonight what the commercials did. But uh, I mean, they obviously had to be a bit of a seller to contain this thing, even though it looks like we might close on the high here today. It's about uh, 2 o'clock Eastern as we're recording this. Um, but it's just been stunning. I've actually seen the price of gold hit a, uh, a new recovery high here. I think it traded like 15.53, and I think the previous high was 15.52. We haven't closed it yet. But I would say all the forces seem to be coming together here. Uh, the commercials have themselves in a very tough position. Uh, I just arrived at this location. I know there's articles on uh, Zero Hedge describing the, the possibility, the strong possibility that there may in fact be this uh, shortage of physical product and what we call the commercial signal failure. I have not had a chance to read it because it's literally landed on the ground here. So uh, I would say lots of things going for us. And of course, the stocks, uh, well, actually, the stocks haven't acted that well in the sense that I think the Uli was down yesterday. Uh, maybe down a little bit today. I'm not sure. Of course, we haven't seen closing numbers, but obviously for, for people who own the stock that are producers, I mean, we've, we've had a great time here. We've tacked on, uh, what have we tacked on, like uh, $75 here in the last uh, two weeks. So it's pretty exciting. And we should also discuss some of the other news today that's driving things today. When we'll get to the geopolitical stuff in a minute, the U.S. PMIs, for the manufacturing sector came out yesterday and again today. And it's just terrible, Eric. They're contracting quickly, uh, setting that whole sector in a contraction and recession. And that's not very good for the Fed's inflation targets either. I mean, it looks pretty clear at this point that this idea of no rate cuts in 2020 is off the table. We're going to have rate cuts. We're going to have more obvious QE. And gold's probably reacting to that too. Well, it's kind of surprising in a way. You know, everyone thought we'd have a great, uh, well, everyone always thinks we're going to have a great year going in, okay? Like, if you could go back to any year, oh, it's going to be a 2 and a half, 3%. Of course, it ends up being up 1% or something less than 2 And now, of course, this year, oh, my goodness, maybe it'll be less than 1% uh, because the fourth quarter, obviously, is shaping up as incredibly weak. Um, but, you know, the more you look at the reality of people on the on the ground, and what their own individual financial situation is, and it's not good. And, and of course, I keep going back to inflation being underreported here. Of course, this one is underreported. Your wage increase is not keeping up with inflation, and every year it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. I happen to be in a country, Tina, where the inflation rate is between fifty and sixty percent this year, and the lamenting of the average worker is just incredible. 
uh, because they can't keep up. And of course, again, I think symptomatic of the ultimate problem is you have this bloated government who thinks they can manage everything, who wants to make all the promises that they can't keep. And it's so analogous to the U.S., promises that you can't keep. Um, so economically, it's weak. And now we have this uh, this geopolitical situation where, uh, you know, there's been some uh, general uh, killed in Iran and some Americans killed in the embassy. And uh, like the last thing we all want to do, in fact, I, the last thing in the world I want to see is gold going up because of geopolitical development. I'm much rather than go up because people realize it's the safe asset that when you have times of uncertainty, which we have lots of economic yeah. uncertainty, without the geopolitical uncertainty, geopolitical would override economic if something happened to blow up in the Middle East. But nonetheless, we have enough economic uncertainty that for the average guy, he should, and I think of it down here, I mean, the average, think of how much the peso has gone down. For years, I have no idea. You know, whether it's in Venezuela or Argentina or all these countries, the currencies are under tremendous pressure here. And even against, of course, the dollar, the gold has appreciated massively. And when you go back to 2000, I mean, we've had a good, good run in the stocks, we had a good run of gold, and it looks like we're ready for another big move. Yeah, history has taught us both that spikes in gold due to geopolitical issues, wars and other headlines usually don't hold. And, and no one wants to see gold go up on the back, you know, a big bloodbath in the Middle East. But it is something that we're all aware of today. Uh, we'll see what the weekend brings. We'll see what early next week brings. If anything, Eric, any type of conflict there would certainly uh, only further damage what is already a staggering global economy and would just ensure, again, more QE uh, and lower rates, which is obviously beneficial to gold. And, and of course, let's not forget that the people that are short gold are taking a real pounding here. Yeah. They're short $100 billion, okay? They're short $100 billion. No, more than that now. Um, we're probably uh, at $120 billion now. $120 billion short. Well, you know, 1% increase in the price of gold, which we had to you, you lost a billion two today. You know, a billion two here, a billion two there. Pretty soon you're talking about serious money. Right. So... We, there's got to be a little bit of running scared. I'm dying to see what will, what did happen to the open interest overnight. Like, it'll be shocking to me if they actually were buyers. Okay, so fine. The, the game's up. The year's over. We kind of ended the year where we, we didn't have to take some big losses, and now we, we know what the drill is. we got to cover here. So it'll be a very interesting to watch what happens going forward. Yeah, for the rest of the year even. Uh, okay, Eric, since we last spoke... Two weeks ago, obviously, some developments across the board and some of the stocks we follow. We don't have, uh, I asked Eric about a couple of majors today that had been sent in, Anglo Gold, Ashanti, and Harmony Gold, Goldfields, but those aren't ones that Eric really follows. Uh, so I just, Eric, if we could, if you have any updates you can share with us with some of the usual suspects, uh, we'd certainly appreciate yeah. it. Well, I think the important thing to focus on, and I've spoken to this many times, we had a big move in the price of gold. We could have a very big move going forward. The effect on the companies can be incredibly dramatic. Like there's companies out there where you can buy ounces in the ground in terms of resources from ten and fifteen dollars an ounce in the ground, okay? And it's resources, so I, I you know it's not proven. Um, 
that, that's incredibly expensive. When when the price of gold up goes up twenty dollars a day, like it did today, and you could buy an ounce in the ground for fifteen, like man, these things. If the price of gold wants to go to record highs here, which is what we're thinking of now, right? We are going to go into new high ground here in terms of the recovery, and hopefully new high ground in terms of the ultimate price going to nineteen hundred dollars. The profitability of these companies, whether you're a producer or whether you're an explorer who's got any a resource of sorts, is going to be incredible. And the kind of moves in the stocks will be stunning. So, you know, when I look at things like in the exploration area, like the, the Wallbridge, Discovery, Tudor, Teuton, something called the Core, another one called Benchmark Metal. So there's lots of them out there. I mean, I own pieces of all of these things and many, many more. And I think, man, if the price of gold wants to start hitting new highs, the interest is going to come back in here. And then if you go to the producers, where you have things like, I own, um, well, of course, Kirkland Lake, Kim Ross, I own Grand Columbia, Jaguar, things like that. And, of course, the ones that, that uh, have the smallest margins are the ones that are going to just react so quickly here. So I would ask anyone listening, I mean, sharpen your pencil here. I think you should be a believer that we're in a serious rally in gold and silver and make sure that uh, they're in the game. Absolutely. That's kind of the message at TF Metals Report this uh, for this year as well. Um, two, the one last thing, you'd mentioned maybe uh, the production reports are coming out for Cooklin Lake in the next week? Yeah. Well, I should talk a little bit uh, about Walbridge because it was an announcement that I participated in the um, purchase of 10 million shares at 57 cents. That's where the issue was done that, uh, that Kirkland participated in and some other uh, institutional money from Quebec. Uh, it was a transaction that had been agreed to quite a while ago, so I know everyone said, well, how did you get the boy at a 57 cents? Well, believe me, when it was agreed to at 57 cents, it was around that price, so right. nobody was taking advantage of anybody, but uh, as you can tell, events in terms of news releases uh, made the stock price go up. I, I fully expect, not that I have any reason to know, but I fully expect we should be getting a news release like early sometime next week. So we'll look forward to that. And yes, uh, you know, the production data for Kirkland will come out. I just, fingers crossed, at Fosterville uh, knocked it out of the park. Uh, I have a little trepidation on Fosterville because I don't know what the situation is with the fires down there because mm-hmm. the fires have been quite extensive and around Melbourne. And of course, Fossil was just north of Melbourne, so I, I don't know for a fact whether the their production has been affected. But if it's not affected by the fires, I think they probably will have a very big, solid number to report. And uh, you know, Kirkland's rallied uh, quite well here, having hit uh, uh, lower sort of fifty to fifty-one Canadian. It's almost at fifty-eight today, and I think people are getting over this the Grand Columbia thing. Uh, sorry, the uh, feature gold thing. My apologies. Uh, that I think it actually is, a, is going to be a great acquisition, particularly knowing that it's on the same sort of belt that our friends at Walbridge are at, who've now found what looks like a high-grade ore body. So I think that area looks very, very interesting here. Uh, and I, I hope that if Kirkland can put out some good production numbers, it might have cool out some of the short sellers. I actually had a report given to me that something like 40% of all the trading in Kirkland in the U.S. markets is by shorters. And it just, uh, I find it stunning. I don't find it disbelievable, but, you know, that's the nature of these weird markets that we're in. And uh, as you know, we sort of signed up to uh, save Canada mining by getting back into this uh, only shorting on uh, upticks, getting rid of, bringing back the uptick rule. 
But uh, shorter can do damage to things very, very quickly and spread all sorts of weird rumors about why this is good, bad, or whatever. And uh, I think Kirkland will prove uh, prove these uh, shorters wrong. I think so, too. All right, my friend. Uh, you're down there at the edge of the world. You know, there's some people who think the world is flat, so try not to fall off, okay, because we need you. <laughs> um, and I think it's astounding that I can be here in central... Uh, North America, you could be all the way down at the end of South America and we could actually have this conversation. But before we wrap up, just wanted to double check, see if there's anything else on your mind. No, I, I think that covers it off. Uh, obviously, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun this weekend to to see what's really happened in the uh, on the COMEX here. Uh, I think it looks quite stunning. Uh, it's for, for the precious metals. And I'm glad the, most, the takeaway to me is the precious metal stocks outperformed everything last year. Don't forget it. And, of course, now we're going into a time when the price has really moved in the last two weeks. Man, we could get some serious performance going forward. That's for sure. All right, one last thing before we go. There are a lot of exciting developments as we turn the corner from 2019 into 2020. Hard to keep track of everything. Uh, So please try to stay up to date. You can do so by signing up to the Sprott Money newsletter. You can do that. You can sign up for the newsletter by visiting SprottMoney.com. And that's a great way to get some great uh, stories, keep all the information right to your inbox. Eric, all the best. I hope you have a, uh, a relaxing vacation down there way south of the border. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Good. We'll stay in touch. You have a good one. All the best to everyone. And happy New Year. And again, a happy New Year to everyone uh, from SprottMoney.com. Have a great weekend. We look forward to talking to you next week.